0: Welcome to the Sermon B-Side podcast, a podcast of Liberty Church in the Harrisburg region of central Pennsylvania. Sermon B-Side is designed to be a resource to answer your questions and to go deeper into the conversation started by each week's sermon.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Liberty Church B-Side Podcast. My name is Steve King, and alongside me is Matt Loyan. Matt, welcome back to the Liberty B-Side Podcast. Yeah, excited to... um,
0: We were just saying, Steve, it's been kind of a a minute since uh, we've had a more of our normal rhythm of the sermon B-Side. We had um, Advent season. We talked a lot about the humanity and divinity of Christ. We had the January focused on mercy and justice issues. We had guests each time in January, which is really helpful we had a couple Sundays that we've taken off now for a True. Liberty Communion Sunday. We became a communion of churches. Got to uh, hear about the word koinonia. And uh, I guess we're just going to say koinonia a lot uh, from here on out. So, if anybody asks
1: about what's a Liberty <laughs> Communion, just say koinonia and run in the other direction. No, I'm just
0: kidding. <laughs> okay. Okay. Right. Um, it takes me back, man, because I mean, I you know, you and I both grew yes. up in like Christian Christian yes. like subculture <laughs> yes. things. Like there were like Coenae groups. I yeah. mean, it was like a it was a thing for a minute. There are still
1: Coenae groups in some organizations that I know of. And yeah, just like that that were still used when it, when Koine was pulled out again um, by Steve Huber, the director yeah. of our communion. Uh, formerly the director of our network, right? So when he True. was pulling out the word Koinonia, I mean I did have a little bit of a like an eyebrow. Yeah, a little bit of a <laughs> you know, just like one <laughs> eye went up one, one brow went up, one went down. Like, oh, here we'll repurpose the word Koinonia again. Listen, you know? Everything comes back it around. It does. Everything it comes does. back around. It does. But this time Yes. This time done really well. No. I mean it's done really well. I, I love everything about the communion and what we're doing. Yeah. Um it's exciting. If anybody has, you know, is, is missing some of that or unsure yet of what we're talking about. Sure. Um, you can, Steve Huber preached, um, recorded himself preaching. That was yeah. played for, for the community of churches. Yep. Gave some good insight there. There'll be more, you know, kind of coming, just kind of being part of our DNA moving forward. Nothing, in some ways, nothing's changed. That's right. In other ways, we just found some. We've what, more clarified yes. the,
0: what this looks like to be a family of churches together. We've deepened that some and clarified That's right. it. So it's, um, yeah, and then, and, 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 you know, fittingly enough, that word koinonia shows up in the passage right in Philippians 1 that we were in. So love it. we had our 10th anniversary last week. Yep. Yesterday kicked off a series in Philippians that will be in through Easter Sunday. Really excited about this series. And um, so we're back to kind of our normal rhythms of the B-side where it's it's you and me or whoever's preaching on Sunday. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, Uh-oh. Oh, God help us. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so just as a reminder, uh, we love your questions. Send them in. Um, as you get into Bible study group rhythms, as those are kind of relaunching right e- even this week, even yes. today and, and this week, uh, as you get into discussions with your Bible study group, feel free to send questions in there. That would and our main goal, even the reason we started the B Side podcast, you know, a year and a half ago, uh, was primarily to help you um, and help your Bible study groups just go go deeper into. The weekly sermon content in, into the, the Word of God and the text that we were in together on Sunday, and, and, and to try to flesh out more and more what does it look like to live in light of the truth that I am mm-hmm. hearing in this text of Scripture. Yeah, so send them in. Yeah, will love to talk about it. We got a couple, uh, a couple this week, um, maybe a couple that were more comment oriented, and a co- and one that was a question. So, um, what do you think, Steve? Where's a good place to uh, to jump in?
1: Yeah, well let let me let me do this. Um, give any of our listeners who. Um, hey, I can feel this way. So if you if you are listening, ever feeling this way, I can feel this way um, too. Or there are others like, like you that feel this way. I'm one of them. Um, where I can go, yesterday I was at both services, but on my mind sometimes is so much of what's happening before and during and after the service. Sure. That comes by way of my role as an elder, or maybe even director of operations. Sure. And so just... You know, getting pulled in and out, and so I listened to you preach the sermon both twice yesterday, Matt. And I really would like to actually just give a little bit of a summary to summary. any of those listeners, <laughs> any of those listeners that would go, "Wait, what were?" If I had to remember three big takeaways, yeah. what did Matt preach on? I I could tell yeah. you some of it, but like I think it'd be really good just to kind of give a little bit of a review. New series, Philippians. We'll be talking about today, moving forward for weeks now in our Bible studies. But you give us a little recap yeah. of the sermon yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. So kicking off
0: the series, did a little bit of, you know, kind of a quick, just big picture overview. This is a, a letter from the Apostle Paul. He's in a prison uh, or under house arrest, at least in Rome, uh, early 60s AD, writing to a church in Philippi that he planted uh, 10 years prior. So it's a 10-year-old church it's a largely healthy church, doesn't have the same kind of problems that he writes to the church in Corinth about that. The letter first Corinthians, that letter to the church in Corinth is like a catalog of problems. Yes. Hey, here's what's going on. Here's what's wrong about this. Here's what's hard about this. So in Philippians, he's writing to a largely healthy church. The main emphasis though, is, um, calling them to press on and saying, continue on in what you've begun. And, And he, and he fleshes that out in a couple of different ways. So that's where the series will go.
1: And, um, and, and mapping the series out, I think it's helpful. Press on. Yes, it's the name of our sermon series. It's yes. on the cover of the Bible study guide. Yep. It's, it's, the, it's it's in the title of every sermon. Yep, and and it's um, and you did a good job yesterday tying that also to hey we're coming off a ten year celebration. Yep, and we're really discerning the spirit just calling us to press on as a church, right. not become complacent, yep. um, not to not to slow down in some ways, but yep. to actually continue to press forward right. in bold and intentional ways. So that, that that was, as you've mapped out the sermon series, we didn't just come up with Philippians two weeks ago, right? Sure. This has been coming for a while. Yeah. Yep. There's some intentionality behind it.
0: Yeah, and that's the hope that it really, that, that God uses it to stir us up again. You know, I think yeah. in part it's... Um, there's the celebration of 10 years and the gratitude that we've got for that. We've also come out of two years of just really different months, disrupted schedules and rhythms yeah, and, um, things that we, that used to feel like kind of normal part of routines of life can feel kind of like a heavy lift again. Cause we haven't done them for a while. We've had kind of been sidelined in, you know, maybe some of our, our week in week out kind of pursuits of relationships with other people. And, even serving in different roles. Yeah. And how many, you know, how much time we give to things outside of our own family because we've been kind of forced to hang out with our family more. So we're, we're, you know, we're always, we're always navigating like, okay, well, what's, what's the right kind of mixture of like, I want to love, I do want to hang out with my family and love my family. And I also yeah. should be serving outside of my home and I should be uh, looking at the people and places around me with the eyes, the lenses of a missionary and the eyes and the heart of Christ and the yeah. passion of Christ. So, just, you know, I think it's just a, a moment to kind of be, um, as much as we've needed comfort and lament and all of these things during the almost two years now that we've been in a, a pandemic world, um, we need also to be reminded to, to just press on in, yeah. uh, in the Christian life. So that's where we hope we go with the series yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I love that this is even the kickoff of where Paul begins praying for the Philippians and giving thanks to God for them. That opening prayer. Um, and kind of prayer report. He's kind of almost reporting what he's been praying for the Philippians. It's really characterized by this idea of completion, um, that that they're going to abound more and more in love, that they are preparing for the day of Christ, and that they're to be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. And then really, I mean, if you're going to memorize any verses in Philippians, there's a couple really good ones. There's some amazing verses in Philippians. But I think one... That would be near the top of my list. Would be Philippians one six, which says, "But I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus." Mm -hmm. But this confidence that Paul has, that the he's affirming so much about the Philippians, saying you guys are largely healthy. Like there's, you guys have been partners in the gospel. Like there's so much that I want to affirm, and I'm grateful to God for you. You're not finished though, and I'm and I'm confident. I'm sure. That because Jesus is the one who completes what he begins, he's going to bring that good work to completion. Yeah. So that was the main idea yesterday that we were pressing on to completion. Uh, We unpacked in that a little bit why Paul was so confident of that. Um, Also, the heart level affection and longing that he had for the Philippians to experience it. Like, what was actually motivating him to pray and thank God the way that he was doing that? Yeah. And then at kind of the very end, verses 9, 10, 11 the actual substance, like what does, what does sanctification, what does completion look like? Like, let's give some, let's give some actual, um, more concrete ideas of what Paul means when he's talking about carrying it on to completion. Right. Um, so that, that's really kind of where we were yesterday. This whole idea of completion, but confidence of it, longing for it, and then the prayers for the specific aspects of it.
1: Yeah. And that let's in a moment, let's go to some of that application the experience of sanctification Mm -hmm. let's let's start with the confidence Mm -hmm. and then you 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 touched on this a couple times a couple times in the sermon yesterday you said something on the lines of the hardest thing has been done already yeah right and so where our confidence is not just looking forward but looking behind and looking past to what's already been done yeah maybe even adjust addressing um the range of whether it's the the jaded or the skeptical or just the discouraged and the weary Christian that kind of goes like, what is this whole thing about sanctification? Like, what's really going to come of this? Is this going to go in any good direction? Like, can God really use me? Can God really even change me? I'm weary or I'm jaded, you know, whatever it may be, um, or somewhere in between. Um, the hard thing has been done already yeah. and our confidence right. in place in that. So maybe just give us a, little, a few words on yeah. uh, of what's been done and where, why our confidence is in it.
0: That's right. That's right. So um, it's really, it's it's twofold. Yeah. So that I'm actually more encouraged when someone is, is coming into uh, a discussion with that kind of attitude and posture and someone saying like, man, I just don't know if um, that's true. Like I'm wrestling to know if like God's really going to like, I'm, I'm discouraged about where I am right now. I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm wrestling deeply with like, if God's going to bring this all the way through to completion, I'm more concerned if someone's kind of in the the ditch on the other side of the road, which is to say, um, Hey, sin is like a past tense thing for me. Like I'm, I'm overconfident actually. Like, um, you know, like, yep, I used to sin. That was a thing I used to do. Um, I don't sin anymore. I hope that we all in the Christian life are able to say, I sin less than I used to. Sure, like I, right, I, have sure put, right. I have, by the grace of God, right. put sin to death in certain aspects of my life. I am um, holier. I am more sanctified than I was a year ago, uh, 10 years ago. Um, I, think that's, I think that's incredible. But if you, if you only think about sin as a past tense thing and you're overconfident, you overestimate how far you've come, mm-hmm. that's harder to break into. Um, because even when you actually have someone that's willing to risk saying that to you and saying like, well, what about this in your life though? Like, you know, like um, you're still really angry. You still um you still have like these patterns that maybe are more acceptable sins. They're maybe not the technicolor ones that that, that kind of draw more attention. But um it seems like you've maybe just like written that off as like not a big deal. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm more concerned when someone's on that side of the uh, of the road and fall into that ditch. What you're describing is the, the other side of the ditch where it's just this, and man, it is, it's wearying. Like I think, um, and maybe this is a, a place even to to think about it with your Bible study group. Think about what you find yourself confessing. If you gather with us for weekly worship services, we have a time of confession. We do part of that together. And then there's a, a silent part of that where you do that mm-hmm. on your own. Um, I would just encourage you to think, what are the sins that tend to come to your mind most often, in that silent time of confession, yeah, like there probably for each of us are a list of three or four or eight or nine usual suspects as to like, man, I'm going to think back through my week a little bit intentionally, and there's you're looking for did I sin in these particular ways? Yeah, um, that's I think it's not the only way that we that we sin, but we ha- we have each of us just well-worn paths of patterns of sin. That were The ways that we are specifically prone to, to wander, you know, to turn away from God. So I would even use that as a good starting point um, to think about what are those things in your life. And when we actually are face-to-face with those things, it's really discouraging. It's the, it's the Romans 7, Paul crying out, you know, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? Because right. he, he knows the right thing to do. Right. And he actually, deep within him, wants to do that thing. Like mm-hmm. he's really desiring to follow Christ and honor Christ, yeah, but there's also this this aspect of like the the flesh, the old nature still alive in him, still fighting for for space in his life, and he does he hates those things, he doesn't want to do those things anymore, but he keeps doing them right um so it's really wearying, so to your point, Steve, I think um we really need in those moments to remember that um to remember what Jesus has already done mm-hmm. and to, and to be able to look back and say, uh, he has already done the hardest thing. If he's able to take someone who is dead spiritually and to make them alive, yeah, then he can certainly take people who are alive in him and continue to make them more like him. Yeah. Um, so I, I just would say that's, that's just such a, you would maybe call it preaching the gospel to yourself or rehearsing the gospel. You need in those moments when you're just weary to have, you know, the, the, uh, in your mind, the clarity of thought, you know, by the grace of God to go back and say, but what has Jesus already done? Mm -hmm. He's already, he's already made me alive in him. And if you actually look in at your life, I'm no doubt you will see progress in the ways that you are different from, from where you were a year ago and 10 years ago, but it certainly won't be what you, what you want, especially when you're in that moment of like, I'm back here Yep like a dog to its vomit in the same sin that I've been in over and over again. Right. But, um, but looking at what Jesus already
1: has done and taking heart that, that he'll, he'll continue his good work. It's good. It's really well said. Well, a question that came in yesterday kind of gets to the application or the functional expression or experience of sanctification. Yeah. Uh, so the questioner sent in two questions. Nice. Well, send a question and a clarification. Okay, great. And a qualification. The first question was, sanctification does mean becoming like Christ but it also means quote to be made holy unquote mm-hmm. yeah can you flesh out how to think about holiness as something to be pursued In other in other in other words what does holiness look like as Christ likeness what is it we are being confirmed or conformed to yeah and now he then followed up the question followed up by saying oh you answered this later in the sermon yeah never mind hey it was, a, it was a real-time it's, question it's a man. real that was a real-time question right yeah. someone engaged Um." Still a really good question. Great so I think question. it's actually a good one to kind of answer. I'd love for you to kind of just respond to that question, even though the sermon maybe addressed some of it. Sure. Um, this is some of that application. What, is it, what does it really look like to experience sanctification to become more holy? That's great.
0: Yep. Um so he i mean absolutely right in the the premise there behind the question that to become Christlike is to become holy
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that is that is sanctification sanctification is um and even to kind of break it down a little bit further not that this need you need to get sidetracked in this in your bible study groups but there's there's even Um, so sanctification is one aspect, one kind of facet of the diamond of salvation. So justification, the whole courtroom picture that we're declared righteous because of Jesus' work. That's another one. Adoption is one. There's all these different beautiful image images. Mm -hmm. Sanctification is this, there's an, um, there's an initial sanctification. So like Paul will write in, and I'm drawing a blank on exactly where this is, but, um, Maybe this is the best place to do it. So so Hebrews, the author of Hebrews says, and I want to say Hebrews 4, that he has perfected for all time those who are being made perfect.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the idea there is you see a little bit of the different parts of sanctification itself. So there is a, he has perfected for all time. Mm-hmm. So there's an initial yep. sanctification. You, you actually already have been in the eyes of God, He sees Jesus when he sees you. You are perfected. You are cleansed from your former ways of life and from your sin. So, like, there's an initial sanctification. You are declared one of the saints. You are declared holy and cleansed in that sense from a positional identity standpoint on the day you put your faith in Christ. Yep. Perfected. For all time, in that Hebrews verse, um, means this is something that will last forever. and There will be a full fulfillment when you actually are completely holy and completely without sin. So there's an initial, there's a there's a final sanctification. Most of the time when, when Christians use the word sanctification, and what I was using it mainly as yesterday, yep. is what you would call progressive right. sanctification, which is the part of that Hebrews verse that says, you know, he's perfected for all time, those who are being made perfect. That's right. It's a process. It's, a process. it's, a, it's, yep. it's progressive. That's right. So um, that's the progress that we're that we're talking about when we're talking about becoming like Christ and becoming holy. Mm-hmm. We're actually declared holy. We're we're referred to as if it's already it's so sure. This is even this even piggybacks into that you know Philippians one six verse. It's so sure because Jesus is going to do it that you can be referred to as a sanctified saint, a holy one of God right now, even though yep. you still have sin remaining in your life. That's right. Um, so to this this uh, person's question, which maybe we did get to a little bit more toward the end of the sermon, um, and I'm really grateful we have this right. So like um, in scripture, we get these great summary statements. But then there's also like that's that gets fleshed out a lot in other places. So like I, you know um, when I got this question, I was like, that's right, that's a good question. Sometimes people will say like, well, Christian just means you love God and love your neighbor. Absolutely true. There's a lot more words written about what it actually means to love God and love your neighbor right. in the Bible that we should pay attention to, and not just we should not just be content with a summary when the summary is fleshed out. Sure. Because sometimes when we just take the summary, Mm, we can go in kind of goofy directions with it. So I'm (laughs) guessing this questioner was hearing like, we need to become like Christ and saying, well, what does that actually mean? Because people could say you need to become like Jesus. And people have done that throughout the last 2000 years and have gone in some crazy directions with it. So the substance, even right here in the same text that that Paul gives us, verses nine through 11, especially um, love, love that abounds more and more that's part of what it looks like to be like Jesus and to be holy, that your life is characterized by love for God and for others. Um, love married to knowledge and all discernment. So it's rooted in truth, which would mean that we need to know truth. We need to know God as he's revealed himself. We need to know God's design for the world. We need to love people in light of that knowledge and that discernment. Um, that talks about the next part there approving what is excellent. So actually approving things that would line up with God's story of the world and the design of the world. Yeah. Uh, being pure and blameless for the day of Christ. So pure being unmixed having, um, that Romans seven, that mixture that like, man, I've I've got in me both these two, these two things fight this war fighting within me. I've got the old nature and the new nature, uh, fighting within me. Um, that's a mixture pure means unmixed so more the process the progress of, of sanctification is you're getting less and less mixed over yes. time yep. and you're becoming you're becoming more and more who you are that new man that new nature in sure. Christ blameless means without stumbling so you're not stumbling into sin the same ways with the same frequency all of that kind of thing as the as you're progressing through life filled with the fruit of righteousness i mean that could be it's it's a whole different sermon I would start with Galatians five, the fruit of the Spirit, fruit of righteousness, things that evidence that the Spirit of God is in you and that you are, um, that you are on that road to completion. So yep. the love, the joy, the peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control, those are the the fruits, the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians five, um, and then all of that being done to the glory and praise of God. So so Paul is taking this idea of completion <clears throat> in verse six, and then in verses nine through eleven, as he prays these specific things, he's giving. He's putting meat on the bone. He's saying, yeah. like, here's the here's what I mean, completion. Sure. Love, yep. <laughs> purity, blamelessness, fruit coming out of your life, being visible so people can see it, but also that they're seeing it and they're not saying, wow, look at you. You're amazing. They're saying, look at God.
1: Look right. at what he's done. Right. Yeah. That's good. I like, um, well, like, yeah, two things that you said that I think are initial, well, careful, because I'm going to say the summary... Uh-huh. It's really yeah. good, and you're saying, yeah. hey, don't just sit with a summary. Actually go in the way that's been fleshed out. Yep. So it's like you have to follow that logic while also liking the summary of what you just said. So I won't just <laughs> sit with just the summary and say, well, that summary was really good. That's all I need to know. Sure. Actually, what you described after it was really meaningful, and I think in... I can just walk, I can hear that statement and go, yes, it's like so much of what we do in culture, it's so much we do in society, and what every culture does over and over and over throughout the history of time is we find the things that we like, we summarize them, and then people go in completely different directions yep. from, and we see that happen with the Christian religion, and with Christ, and with Jesus, the person, and nature of Jesus right. over and over and over. That's right. That's where, it's where, you know, the rest of scripture matters. Doctrine matters. Theology mm-hmm. matters. You know, it's the study matters. Not just the summary. No, I, you know what? We
0: just got to do an in covenant class this weekend, Steve, which was great. Um, Had a number of folks that are considering coming into covenant with us at Liberty. Another great example, like I, we, we always talk about the, um, the parable of the good Samaritan when we talk about mercy in, in that. And that's a great example in scripture of where the summary is accurate and is amazing that we've got this succinct summary we can memorize but how our hearts are just inclined to take the summary and do goofy things with yes, it. So, like yeah. the, the the teacher of the law, that prompts the parable of the good Samaritan. Right? They're talking about eternal life. Yeah. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus turns it back around to him. Says, "Well, what do you read in the law? Okay, love God. Yep. Love your neighbor." And um, Jesus, is like, "Yep, yeah, you got it." Do that and you'll live. And then the, the teacher of the law follows up by saying, well, who's my neighbor? Right. And that's exactly, I mean, there's, there's a snapshot of how he's got the accurate summary. Right. He's taken the summary of all the Old Testament law revealed right. by God. He's trying to be faithful to that. But he is very, it, it exposes in his heart when he asked the question, who is my neighbor? Sure. That he's trying to like take that definition and make it really small and attainable. Mm-hmm. He's trying to do something with that summary that that God did not intend with that summary. Right. We all do that, right. so we all could take the idea of completion to take it back to Philippians one here, and we could come up with our own, and we will. Like we we, will. we, we, we do. We, we, we do. come yeah. in. We, yeah. You can't not come in with your own, our own warped lenses on right. on that, and so so completion. Does our definition of completion line up with the actual definition of completion that's here? Yeah. So, I think at least for me, the one that jumps out the most that would be counter counterintuitive or countercultural to many coming from our theological tradition and stream is love. <laughs> so okay, like okay. like we would maybe say completion is like, you know, how how much we grow in our knowledge and discernment. We love maybe that aspect of it. Sure. I, yeah. think, I think a lot yeah. of us do pull that into our definition of completion. And we love study and we love reading and we love accuracy and we love theological precision. Right. These are good things. Absolutely. Yep. Right. Is is love abounding more mm. and more? Is yeah. the motive of love driving that drives everything we do in life? Is that actually central to our definition of maturity and completion? Because sure. I think it'd be easy for us to, um, and I, you know, gosh, we've even seen this in some some blockbuster kinds of ways where we elevate gifts and we elevate knowledge and we elevate that kind of stuff over character. Um, yes, in people that we listen to and value. Sure, and. In, because it's the wisdom of God, if you don't have love, um, if you don't have the character that matches the knowledge and discernment part, like, that goes badly yeah. at times. Like, that catches up to you um, and has effects. Like, it has consequences. So, I I guess I would say, as I look at this, this fleshed out list in verses 9 through 11, I would say, like, man let's let's for people who come like us from our, our theological tradition most of us yeah um, let's make sure that love is absolutely central to our definition mm. of completion and maturity
1: yeah it's good it's a good challenge and call um you said another thing there that i think is worth kind of just jumping into real quick sanctification is progressive it's a, it's a process Yep. and maybe you're not you're not saying this in a way i just want to bring clarity for anyone listening it's any clarity for myself progress, progressive infers that it's, it's like constant in one direction. Right. And I think it's helpful for us to like, for any one of us to go, well, wait a second, my experience of sanctification, sometimes it feels like I'm going backwards totally. or it feels like I'm stuck. Um, yep. or it feels like the people I, I love are stuck. Um, yep. and just, you know, process it's a process mm-hmm. and it is also progressive. It's just that when you are in it, you can't always feel the progress at times. It's really good. And and I think like when you step back and where God has a a view on this, that we don't, Mm -hmm. you know, so if we think about, um, in Romans eight, you know, when God is working all things together for our good, it's a, it's a great bumper sticker, Christian passage. That's like on t-shirts and mugs and we love it. Yeah. And it's like, well, we actually we actually believe that in those moments where it doesn't feel all that good. That's, that's good, and there's applications of that verse that are not just about sanctification. Yeah. But there's enough of that verse that is is actually talking about sanctification. Yeah. Um, because God uses you talked about yesterday in the scripture or in your in your in your teaching, God like. When someone's going to use someone else to sanctify you, they're the anvil upon which you are being hammered. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for saying that. That's such a <laughs> right. It's not you don't fall asleep like 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 with a smile on your face. Think about that. That's not the kind stuff. Or like no. or iron sharpening no. iron is a proverb. These are real pictures from Scripture yeah. that we see and sanctification, while being a process and while being progressive, when you can s- sit back yep. and see the big picture and go like, oh, over the course of that ten years, wow, I see the progress yep. that was made. There are plenty of moments where it feels like progress is the last thing that's happening. That's right, right, and that's so right. Um, I think it's even maybe a question that could, you could talk about in Bible studies. You could yeah. say, "Hey, where right now do you feel like you're stuck? Yep. Or where are you? Where are you feeling jaded? Where are you feeling totally. frustrated or weary, or even just not trusting that God is actually working good for you? Yeah. Where and, and do you think about that as a moment of a moment that is part of a stretch?" or a piece of time that is, will be sanctifying you, Mm. but goodness, right now, it does not feel, does not feel all that good.
0: Nope. That's really good. I would totally, I would totally encourage folks to do that in Bible study groups. I think that's, that's where this actually um, becomes really helpful and and immediately applicable to life is like, okay, what does sanctification look like (laughs) in the moment, you know? Yeah. And even encouraging each other that, that, even when it looks like it's not sanctifying, it's not progress in that yeah. moment, um, <clears throat> encouraging each other that that is part of God. It's like, that's often, you often will look back at those moments in your life years later. Yeah. If you get this gift and go, man, God did a lot in my heart. There. Yes. But I, man, I would never pick it for myself. I would never yep. want to go back there and feel what that felt like. Yep. Um, but that's, yeah, I think I got to maybe, I don't know. I, I, my, two sermons were a little bit different yesterday and what I kind of took tangents on. But, um, you know, like the idyllic picture, I think we, we might have in our minds of like how, how growth, how progress happens in the Christian life, yeah, which is like the things we select, we select into classes Mm, and studies and reading our Bible with coffee in the morning like that, you know? And then, and then like, you know, God just drops circumstances in our life that for that like forces us to depend on him, forces us to, it exposes, those aspects of our lives that are still not like Jesus right. and, and makes us have to come face to face with them and, and bring them before the face of God. Right. I mean, that's, those are the things that are, that are most, um, impactful. Yeah. I think, I think, I don't know, is it too much of a, is it too much of a generalization to say like, you will always grow more from that than you will from the
1: things you choose no, yourself? I, mean, like, I, don't, I don't think it I mean, is. I think that's, I think that's actually I would say that's true. I would say you look experientially.
0: It's to me, it feels true.
1: I would agree. Experientially, looking back, the things that you learn the most from and grow the most in Mm -hmm. are the things that are that in the moment you would describe have been the hardest moments of your life. And that doesn't mean that hard is always a crisis, right? You know, but I mean, you know, I can think about metaphors maybe that apply with like, you know, an athlete, you know, Mm -hmm. training in a craft or in a sport and a skill. It's like. No one becomes the best they can be in a sport or in a skill by just slowly taking it easy over a long period of time. Yeah. You stress yep. your body and your mind. Mm-hmm. You actually damage your body huh. in healthy ways right. to create to create more strength, right? Yeah. Like yeah. there's something about breaking down that is that is the precursor to being built up. Yeah. Um, That's good. And I think that shows up in other aspects of reality yep. in the way that God has created his world and truly we look back we are sanctified in really yeah. fun, enjoyable yep. like moments that maybe don't ex- we don't experience a lot of pain or discomfort. And we just, we just by God's grace and his spirit, we have these moments of revelation where we're sanctified yeah. in truth and beauty. Oh, yeah. And most of it, I'd say experientially, <laughs> is from stuff that in the moment you're like, I wouldn't want to do it this way. Yeah. It doesn't feel right. Yeah, so maybe man. my encouragement is to, if you're in a Bible study... Like just embrace that. Like, yeah. like I, you know, I do this, man. I do this too. So um, if you're in my Bible study, you can hold me accountable <laughs> to doing this. Well, we're we're all prone, generally, to go, Hey, how you doing? Good. How you doing? Good. Good. We're going good. Yeah. And we, we we like to we, we either like to hand or we just accidentally sit in the level of being fine. Yep. Sure. And suggesting as if the stuff that that we're learning about God and what He's teaching us. In all of the things that come with life, whether that's relationships, work, raising children, you know, loving children that are older, whatever it may be. There's so many aspects to life. Um, We just don't bring up quickly the things that are hard. Yep. And I'd say it's actually really good that we would do that well. Yeah. We would lean into doing that well, believe that the sanctification is a process and it is progressive, but it's not always expecting that you're always going to have the best news to share. That's right. So that's right. Hey, let me get to this last question yeah. before we wrap up. Um, it was a little bit of a thought, a little bit of someone just kind of processing this in the moment. Yeah. There was something to draw out of here, um, in our liturgy. So I'll kind of just, I'll paraphrase the question that came in, the comment that came in, yeah. in our liturgy, I think it was in the call to worship. There was the, maybe I, I think you had that. You could read that. Our yeah. call to worship talks about, um, Jesus who himself was not, he, he was tempted, but did not kind of give into temptation. Yeah, that's right. Um, It it made this person start to think about, oh yeah, like Christ was tempted and Christ is God. So in in one way, was God tempted? Can God be tempted? That was like, that was one piece of it there. Yeah. And then it kind of made this person go a little bit further in their mind to go, well, wait a second. What about sanctification for a person like Christ? Did Mm, did Jesus experience sanctification mm. in mm. the same way that we would experience sanctification why or why not mm. that's a complete paraphrase of that person's question but some yeah. things that we kind of drew out of there so yeah. maybe in order you know yes our call to worship reference Christ being tempted but not giving it to temptation yeah. um, God being tempted your reaction to that yeah. where we learn about God being tempted let me start there
0: yeah that's a I mean yeah love the different the, the train of thought there kind of thinking through it yeah that the call to worship I think I was looking it back up um, yeah, it talks about the Lord Jesus who calls us to worship him as the same Jesus who refused the temptation to worship the evil one. It goes on from there. So in scripture, you've got, right, um, I, th- I think this question and stream of thought belongs to the mystery of the Trinity and even the mystery mm-hmm. of Jesus being fully God and fully man. So uh, let me explain that maybe a little bit. So <laughs> just a couple of, just, that's your summary. A, hey, in brief, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a summary. That's do, summary. With, do with that what you want. Do whatever you okay. want with that. Um, so. So Jesus, and you read like in Matthew chapter 4, that's what the call to worship was based on, that Jesus goes out to, once he's baptized uh, by John the Baptist, he goes out to the wilderness, he is tempted by Satan in the wilderness for 40 days. So Jesus is tempted. The author of Hebrews talks about how Jesus was in every way like us, made like us, and tempted in every way, yet without sin. Right. One difference between Jesus and us in his full humanity was that he didn't sin and we do. (laughs) Right. Um, We give in to temptation at least a number of times over the course of our life, Jesus never did perfect obedience. So, um, and then you've got, um, so you got Jesus being tempted. That's, that's in Matthew four. That's referenced in Hebrews. Then you've got James chapter one, where James writes how God is not tempted, nor does God himself tempt anyone. So if right. anyone, when anyone is experiencing temptation, <clears throat> they shouldn't blame God for the temptation they're experiencing. That's right. So you've got these like, well, is that a contradiction then? Cause like is, is, Was Jesus actually tempted or was he not tempted? I I think the best way to walk through that is to realize there are some things that we just ultimately can't understand about the Trinity and about that full humanity, full divinity of Jesus. Yeah. So if you were to say that God the Father is tempted, I would say that goes too far. Sure. Because that's, I think, what James is maybe referring to in James chapter 1. He's talking even right there about the Father of lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Right. So if you say God, the father's tempted, I would say, I think James one says that's not true. If you were to say Jesus wasn't actually tempted, he just was pretending to be tempted. I'd say, no, I think scripture makes it really clear. He was actually tempted. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he actually had a choice, he in had that a choice moment, that's right. and he chose obedience. Right. I think you go too far if you take out his actual, right. um, agency, you know, his ability to make a choice in that moment. Yep. Um, now, where then this gets confusing is that I would also say you go too far if, if you say Jesus had to be sanctified mm-hmm. sure. the same way we are progressively. Um, he never sinned. He never experienced sin, he, uh, or stepped in. He experienced the effects of a broken world. He experienced the sin around him in yep. that way, but he never sinned himself, and therefore never needed to be made holy because he already was. That's right. Um, he never went through that process of being made in the image of God, but. Corrupted by sin and having to be redeemed into, <clears throat> yeah. back into, remade into the image of God. So, um, so that's a difficult kind of tension there. But I would say Jesus' temp- temptation was genuine. Uh, he did not need to be sanctified. God the Father cannot be tempted, right? And the only reason Jesus could be tempted is because he did take on flesh and became fully human.
1: That's right. Yeah, and I and um, the question reminded me. We won't. Let's not reopen the whole conversation. Sure. It reminded me of. It, it, in december yep um preach you you preached on god's or Christ's humanity yep and we kind of talked a little bit about like what is what is it that means that christ was both human and and god Mm -hmm. where where would he check the boxes of what it means to be human yeah and what reminded me of that in this question is christ not needing to be sanctified did not make him less human yes right his full like Someone's yep. full humanity. We were think about what makes someone fully human. Yeah, we would not say needs to be sanctified, right? Because right? like, well, that, that Christ never checked that box, right. and so that's actually not a box. We would look and go. So while we would all look around at each other and say, yeah. you know, what's like alike about all of us here on planet Earth is that we all need to be sanctified. Yeah. That must be a characteristic of being human. I'd right. say no. Right. That's actually not a characteristic of being human. That is something that is is true about all of us. Yes. But we are all human. First. It's not, that yeah, need. it's not essential to our original humanity. That's right. It's not, yep. That's, that's right. right. Um, also, I loved a moment ago how you described, uh, you said the difference between us and Christ is that he has not sinned and we have. Yeah. And he said, you said, uh, at least a handful of our times we have given a temptation over the period of our lives. <laughs> I was like, that is the most optimistic description. <laughs> Of the flesh possible, only a handful of times in our lives.
0: Did I, did I just fall into the ditch of the over overconfident of my progress? Oh, I think I, I thought I you are gonna say like every
1: day or every hour, and you're like in our lives, and I was like, oh, a handful. Yeah. Of th- oh gosh, I'm doing I'm yeah. doing really badly then. That. I'm doing a Steve, poor job. Maybe someday,
0: maybe someday you'll get to where I am. In that Five case. times in a life, <laughs> I expect to be tempted once or twice this right, year. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I don't think my list of sins will, will fit on uh, half a page. <laughs> right, I'm expecting more, a longer. Break. No, good. Yeah, yeah good, good <laughs> so, this is funny. This way, is funny. way more than that. Yeah, <laughs> way good. more than that. Um, well, hey, this is good. Um, as Matt said at the beginning, writing questions, and yep. we kind of get back to a uh, a little bit of a you know common rhythm of the whole year. It will feel common now to be in a sermon series over a long period of time, 10, 11 weeks, in Bible studies, questions will be coming to mind. Throw those questions to us. Yeah, The best time to always send those questions is the Sunday afternoon, evening, or the Monday morning, early in the morning, or you know maybe before 10 o'clock, mm-hmm. let's say on Monday morning, because we record these on Monday late in the morning. Um, so send questions to us. We'd love to hear questions. They're helpful for us. They're not just... We don't sit here and go, send us all your questions because we have every answer yeah. as much as, oh, gosh, we want to be part of having effective conversations in Bible studies, uh, being held accountable with questions, asking good questions um, just as, as members of the church. So they're, they're good for us to receive and think through. And then we also do want to bring mm-hmm. uh, good and helpful insights to them to spur uh, helpful conversations in Bible studies. So make sure you do that. Matt, any final words? Thanks for, thanks for the, the insights today. Contributions, but final words? No, I don't think so. Um, I'm, I'm still thinking
0: about that idea of Jesus being sanctified, and, and, and it's prompted in continued thought. So maybe there'll be a follow-up that needs to come um, on that thought because I'm, I'm realizing one of the passages, and I'm trying to remember. I think it's in Hebrews. It talks about um, how Jesus was made perfect through suffering. Hmm. And so I don't know that I would call it sanctification because he wasn't, he wasn't lacking holiness sure. in his life. But how his active obedience of stepping into the cross, I mean, actually, that, like that's what he's talking about there. He was made perfect in suffering. That there actually was, like, that's how he achieved his perfect obedience that was our right, that he gave to us as our righteousness. Right. So he had to live a life that, that, had, a, that had a, there was a process to his life that culminated in this in this. All these acts of obedience culminate in a great act of obedience. So I'm, it's this is good because you're, you're making, making my mind want to say things. It's and I'm like, wait,
1: let me not say it right now. So let's wrap just, up
0: by dropping <laughs> a <bomb laughs> in there.
1: Because that's got my mind going yeah. on a couple things to, to say about that. So we're going to not, not, yeah. not so, run into another 40 minutes all of and, a sudden. And I would say, like, sorry for my bad example. Don't run down
0: that rabbit trail in your Bible study groups as much as I think the questions in the mm. Bible study guide will be helpful to you and some of the stuff we brought up here about where you feel like you're either ex- you've experienced some of
1: that, that progress
0: or you feel just stuck
1: in yeah, progress. It's good. All right. Well, Hey, thanks everyone for joining. Hopefully this was a good listen and contributes well to Bible study discussions this week. Uh, send in questions as you ha- as you have them. We'll see you throughout the week or certainly next Sunday during worship. Thanks for joining us today. Bye everyone. Take care guys. Thank you for listening
0: to the sermon B-side podcast. For more resources, information about our church, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org.